0: Good morning. Uh, my name is Ed White, and a uh, little disclaimer, I am not the pastor here. If you're, if you're visiting for the first time, um, we have a senior pastor, Aaron Jane. He's amazing. Uh, he's, he's traveling in Europe this week, doing some church planting and speaking. So I need a promise from you that you're going to f- come back at least once more before you form an opinion on our church. Uh, uh, Tim used the term pastor uh, in the last service, and he used that uh, term lightly. Um, but yeah, I've uh, been coming here for a number of years. Uh, my wife, Eleanor, um, my daughter Hannah, Eleanor, yeah, if you know Eleanor, you know that I married up, and uh, I don't apologize for that. Um, and Hannah, uh, my little daughter, heaven's been missing an angel for the last nine years because uh, he sent her here. Tanner is on the worship team. Uh, he's the guy playing the guitar with the hat on backwards, and Adam is, uh, also plays keyboard sometimes. So our family's just been blessed to be part of Coastline, to see the growth, and just um, sometimes you wonder how you get into a certain situation. So Aaron was asking me two or three weeks ago, what are you doing November 9th and 10th? And it uh, kind of sounded like a like a twig. I had a camping trip planned last weekend. It wasn't this weekend, unfortunately. And I'm like trying to, I got to be truthful with the pastor. I was like, well, I don't, not, I don't know. I don't really have plans. But uh, then we're over coffee a, a week, couple weeks ago. And he said, I've been praying about something. And who knows when your pastor's sitting across from you, looking in your eyes saying he's been praying about something, there's something else coming that's probably going to be a little bit uncomfortable. And uh, we're we're starting a new series called Change Your World, and he said, "I, I think you're the the right guy to deliver that message." I'm I'm not going to be there, and uh, you know, and and would you do it? And I admit, you know, most of the time, God leads me in a direction. I'm a little bit reluctant. I came in, and Eleanor looked at me and like, well, "What's wrong?" And this was right after, and I was like, God, "I got to preach in a couple of weeks," and and. But then the more I started thinking about it, this is something, as I, as I looked into it, I'm really passionate about. So it went from I've, I've got to preach to I get to preach. So I'm looking forward to delivering the message this morning. Uh, be patient with me uh, as we go through this. And really, my goal, it, the song, Lead Me to the Cross, there's a, there's a phrase in there that says, rid me of myself. And that's the part that you know we all struggle with, with our egos and ourselves. And ego, I uh, heard somebody tell me once, the ego stands for edging God out. And, and I, I just pray I'm going to share some things with you personally that I normally don't talk about. And it's only with the intent that if I can take you from where maybe I was 15 years ago to some next steps along your, your journey on faith, uh, it'll be worth the uncomfort, but I don't want it to come across as uh, boasting or prideful or anything like that. I love the part of our church that says no perfect people allowed. You could put my face on that poster. And uh, so, so we don't expect people to be perfect here, and I'm not. I will share some things with you this morning, though, that, that Aaron wanted me to talk about. Before we get started, a couple things. We've got basically one more week for Operation Christmas Child. Uh, I've been involved with this program uh, over 10 years. It's amazing. The boxes are coming in. We really need to have one last push to get them all in. Diana's been amazing working out there. we got Randy Brown, Cindy, Mona, on the prayer team. The, the whole team has come together. we got one more week. Next Sunday, we're having a big barbecue. We're having a packing party, one last packing party. And then the following week... Uh, We are now our collection center for Samaritan's Purse, so other churches will be coming here. We've got a lot of volunteer opportunities still to to be a part of that week when they all come. It's amazing when you see all these churches, and sometimes people drive for miles with one box. I mean, it's touching to see the people. So we get to be a part of that as we as we grow this program. The second thing is, how many have been to the Dream Center or went on the Dream Center tour last year on the buses? Um, Yeah, look around because if you've been there. It's, it's a huge experience. Talk to somebody that's been there. January 2nd, we have another special opportunity. Aaron has been invited back to speak. Um, Aaron was called to the Dream Center when he was young in college. Um, you know, the Cliffords know well uh, Aaron's background. Uh, he and uh, Tommy Barnett's son, Mike, Matthew. And it's amazing to see the. You talk about influence on a community. It's amazing to see what's happened through the Dream Center. And now, since Aaron has come here, it's part of our DNA I mean, so anybody that calls Coastline home as their church needs to go to the Dream Center at least once to tour it. And then it's a special treat on that Thursday night to actually hear Aaron in the Angelos Temple deliver the message. Uh, so it's a great way to kick off the church. Last year, who was on the bus that got stuck at Carl's Jr.? Yeah, that was even, that was even more adventure. The bus is so long it couldn't get up the uh, coming out and we had to like dig up a manhole cover and Get some leverage and finally get this. If everything was smoking, you know. The whole bus was about to blow up, so just making it there felt like a miracle. But it's great. And when Aaron first spoke here, he was a guest speaker. We weren't even thinking about hiring him. That sermon made a big impact on me. He talked about dreams, and he asked, you know, uh, what is your dream? How big is it? Is it is it bigger than you? Is it for the kingdom? And what are you willing to sacrifice? So seeing what, we, what he's done through God at the Dream Center and what he's doing here through God at Coastline, it just helps us all. The, the visions we have for our orphanage in Mexico, all these things are coming through dreaming bigger than us. And, and really, how can we make the most impact? And that's part of what we're going to be talking about today. If you jump into a Jeremiah 1519, what does influence is influences really uh, having an effect on the character or behavior of others? And God wants us to influence people, you know, for the kingdom and not let them influence us. And we talk about it. I talk about it with, uh, with the teenagers of the church. When you go into the high schools, if you don't look different, you know, it actually sets us back. I mean, you need to, they need to see something different in you so that they want to come be a part of it. And even at work, you know, I manage teams. And years ago, you know, I just got tired of the profanity. I said, it's not tolerated. We don't do it. I had a manager actually cussing at me on the phone one time. I hung up. He calls me back, did you hang up on me? I said, yeah, I don't tolerate profanity. I mean, so just our, our actions, our behavior, uh, it needs to be different. And uh, even Kip Putterball is in the other service, one of the top golf instructors of the country, and we were laughing because something about golf and swearing that kind of go hand in hand. People hit a bad shot and swear words come out. And, you know, 10 years ago, that was me. I mean, I had to change, I had to clean up my act. And my first goal for the first for uh, was to not say a curse word the whole round of golf. It took me four rounds before I achieved my goal. But now it's not, it's not in my system anymore. It's just, you know, not that, you know, I might slip up occasionally. I'm not perfect, but it's just not something that we tolerate. We, they have to see something different and not let them influence us. That, that's a big part of, uh, of just getting started on influencing others. And Corinthians, Second Corinthians 10, 13, 16, God wants our area of influence to be expanded, right? The more you grow in your faith, the more he wants to expand your influence. And part of what I want to do today, and this is challenging for me because every time I have to speak, it convicts me, it challenges me, it makes me grow. So I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching through me for all of us. Um, When you think about our influence, you have to stop and think, what influence am I having? How big an influence can I make? And and I I see we're so busy and we're so self-centered and we got so much going on. We're kind of in that self phase where we don't ever get out of it so we can go actually recognize the opportunities we have. So that's one of the things we want to do today is, is think about how we can expand our influence. Bill Bright of Campus Crusade for Christ and a number of others a few years ago were doing research on how Christians can actually influence culture and society. And he basically came up with seven streams of influence or seven mountains of influence, as he called it. And we'll go through these briefly today. Uh, the first is, is, no surprise, is church, right? Church has a huge ability to make an impact on culture. Uh, and sometimes we do a really good job of it, and sometimes we don't. I think about, uh, there's two types of, of big ships. There's one is a cruise ship, a luxury cruise ship. How many have ever been on a cruise? You know, so that's kind of the destination. You go there for vacation, to be fed, to sit by the pool, to hang out, it's a good time. Uh, there's another big ship, an aircraft carrier, You know, what's the purpose of an aircraft carrier? That's where the fighter jets come in. They get mobilized. They get refueled. And then they go out on a mission. I think too many times the church in America today looks more like a cruise ship than an aircraft carrier. And so that's one of the things. The church is not the hope of the world. The church mobilized is the hope of the world. We have to mobilize. We have to come here to be equipped so that we can go out on our mission and the other thing as we influence these areas is not to point the finger at or to condemn. You know, I'm going to talk about Billy Graham in the future and some of the things that is happening in the media right now. Uh, but the reason Billy made such an impact on people is everybody loved him. Wherever he went, whatever country he went to, he delivered, and he'll, he'll tell it's an offensive message to people across to sometimes. He delivered an offensive message to somebody, he wasn't offensive. He was loved, he was graceful. He showed the love of God through all the things that he did, and so he had so much influence. It was amazing. So that's where sometimes we get confused. You know, Christians want to point the finger at all this stuff that's wrong in the world. You know, God wants us to get involved from the inside out to influence culture, not to point the finger at culture and not to. Sometimes it seems like we almost have a rapture mentality where uh, we're saved and we're just going to wait over here till we go to heaven. You know, ever wonder why we, once you get saved, God doesn't take you immediately? Think about that. He's got something planned for you. He wants you to go impact other people and have an influence. So it's a, it's a different mindset sometimes than what we're used to in the church. The second is government. And, and this is the one I struggle with because... Our government has come so far from where we started as a nation to where we are today and what's being attacked and what's being, you know, tolerated. and, And we've got to take a stance and we've got to really take a step back. George Washington, his family said that they saw him on his knees night and day praying. He kissed the Bible when he was sworn in. And he said he couldn't govern without God and the Bible. And now we have a president in Turkey in 2009 that said we aren't a Christian nation. Now, I know what he meant to say. I know he meant to say that we're a nation tolerant of other religions, right? And we should be. We have to be tolerant as Christians. But there's a certain point where we need to stop apologizing. For all the veterans, you know, I served in the Army. That was the best best branch of the armed services. You know, I like the Marines and the Navy. I mean, but there are people that have died to give us the freedom to worship. And, And so many Christians today are meek. You know, they really are. It's almost like we're neutered. We're afraid to talk about it. We don't want to offend anybody. Uh, we have the right, and, we, and people have died so that we have freedom of religion. We need to appreciate it. It's not the same in all. People are dying as Christians today in other countries. We need to appreciate what we can do and the freedom that we've been given. And the government, I love Ronald Reagan. I was doing some research on this, and, and um, there was a couple of clips of Ronald actually preaching the gospel. It's amazing. If you go on the, you know, the Internet, you can search it. And then I, I came across one clip of him talking about... Um, and he was really well-liked by... I mean, he was a, he brought people together. He was talking about atheists. And he said uh, he, he was tempted to invite atheists to, to his house for dinner and serve like a five-course meal, you know, great dessert, the whole thing. And then at the end of the meal, look across the table and ask them if they believed that there was a cook. Right? Was there a cook in the kitchen or did this all just happen by accident? I mean, but he, he was very graceful. And Ronald, I mean, he said, if we ever forget that, that we're one nation under God, we'll, we'll be one nation gone under. So, uh, I mean, the government, uh, we, we really need to, to, to help influence, you know, whether it's through your, you may even be called to be a government official and then be, have influence in there as a Christian or, or, or work through your local government. I mean, it's, there's all kinds of things we can do, but the government has a huge impact on our culture. Then there's arts and entertainment and sports. How many love football? And, uh, is there a game this afternoon? Yeah, so I'm between us and the game, so I'm going to speed up some of this stuff. But no, I'm just kidding. But Tim Tebow, I love Tim Tebow. I mean, he may not be the best quarterback in the NFL, but for somebody like him to take a stance like he has, and uh, it just, it's, just, it's just encouraging as a Christian to see how bold he is. And one of the things he did with his mother during the Super Bowl a few years ago was a focus on the family ad, and she talked about how he, she nearly aborted him. Uh, she was advised to abort him, but she didn't through her faith. And you look at what could have happened and now where he is. And after that, 72 million people a week after viewed that ad on TV. You talk about influence and the ability for some Christians to make an influence. And you may think, oh, I can't influence 72 million in the world. This has also changed your community. How can you change your local community too, not just the world, but your world And there's some really cool things going on in entertainment. I mean, it's probably the darkest area of these mountains of culture, but there are some shining lights, some of the films that are coming out, you know, like Courageous. I mean, you see some of these things that that, that Christians can rally around, and there are people like Phil Anschutz from AEG that are developing family-friendly films. And we can't separate ourselves. We're we're not separatists. We have to teach our kids right from wrong, and we have to get in and and influence them. Uh, The next major area is... Education. I mean, this is a tough one, especially if you have kids in public school and you're being told they can't pray and you can teach, you know, the theory of evolution but not creation. I mean, we have to work through the home. We have to help change this. But, you know, if we want to change education, we have to get on the PTAs. We have to get on the school boards. We can't just point the finger and say, you know, that's right. We've got to figure out how to go in there and change it so you can pray in the schools. I mean, that's what we've got to do from uh, from being able to impact culture. The next one is business. I mean, business is where the money is. Money can impact culture in a big way. And there's some businesses today, like Chick-fil-A, that's closed today. I love chicken sandwiches. I can't get one today. They're celebrating the Sabbath. They they want their people to rest on Sunday. How cool is that for a business to take a stance like that? You know, I know they've taken some hit in the media over some of their stances, but, you know, at least they're bold. Or, you know, there's Panera Bread. You know, they do a lot to feed the poor. I mean, doing a lot of good through business. And, and really... Make sure you guys are awake. What When Jesus was here, what was his occupation? Carpenter, right? Ever wonder why he wasn't a Pharisee? Why he didn't grow up through the temple in the Jewish hierarchy? And when he went to build the foundation of his ministry that would end up changing the world, he picked 12 men. He picked 12 men from the Jewish synagogue, right? No, he picked 12 men from the marketplace you know, fishermen, farmer, tax collectors. And I don't think it was an accident, right? I think that's, that's where God wants to use our influence is, is through the business world. And then the media. I mean, the combination of media and education, and, and you start to, to combine all this. And Fox News tonight at 7 p.m., My Hope America, The Cross, Billy Graham's last sermon to the, to the country or to the world, it is so cool to see this on Fox, on the na- major networks. I mean, amen for that. It, 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 I mean, Tanner, my, my boy, I watched it the other night, and it was just so cool to see this. on. on so don't miss it. 7 p.m. If you miss it, you can go on to uh, Samaritan's Purse or, or Billy Graham Association's website. And there's actually four other uh, parts to this that you can watch. But it's just cool. And one of the reasons Billy Grant, like we talked about in his son Franklin now through Samaritan's Purse, not just Operation Christmas Child, but whenever there's a major disaster in the world, Samaritan's Purse is one of the first in. And and in some countries, they're the only relief agency that can be let in because they know they aren't going to go in and try to convert everybody through a lot of gospel preaching. They're going to go in and provide the medical care. And then through that, they see the love of Christ. You know, a lot of times people, what did Jesus do? What is, there's so many passages in the Bible that said Jesus went around doing what? doing good. And then I love uh, St. Francis, I think it was, it was quoted as like, go everywhere and preach the gospel. And if necessary, use words. I love that. It's almost like only if necessary talk because people don't care what you say, they care what you do. And so a lot of times I talk to people to say, how how do you, how are you comfortable now sharing your faith? Teach me how. And it's like, you don't have to talk about it. Just go find Find a need and heal it, right? Find a pain and help them through the suffering. There, there's people out there that need your help. You don't have to be that smart. Some some people aren't even gifted speaking. I mean, it may not be your gift. And in the business world and in the education world, I mean, we have people in this room today that are making a huge impact. Michael Clifford, with it's amazing what he does through uh, for-profit education for Christian universities. I mean, making sure these Christian universities are solid and can grow. Don, one of our elders, Don Serbly... He's in, in science, science and business is connected, right? Uh, he's so smart, I can't even figure out what he does. He, he deals with DNA and gene sequencing, and I mean, but as a scientist, we've talked how he gets attacked sometimes inside science for, for being a strong believer, but he influences them. And uh, two of our dear friends over in our small group for years are eye doctors. and uh, they talk about how at work, they're able to share. There is a God. How could there not be a God? This is the vision system and just the intricacies of your vision and your brain processing. One of them, Grace, she prays with patients before they go into surgery. She even gets in trouble because they say, hey, you're not supposed to be doing that. you know. And she does it anyway because she knows that prayer will make that surgery more successful. How many people know with God's presence and God's help? Um, it's just cool to see people like that that step out in the workplace and have an influence on people. So that's what we're talking about, you know, through the workplace. The last one is the family. Uh, the family, and I'll tell you, you, you combine all this together, and there's an analogy that I read is like a, a frog in a kettle. The frog jumped in the kettle when the water was, was not heated up. And then slowly and slowly they started heating up the water. And for a while, he didn't even know he was in hot water before it was already too late, and he was basically being cooked that's kind of what happens now when you mix all this stuff together, the media, you know, what, what, how, how are our kids being programmed? What are they watching on TV? I mean, and, and the culture really is changing is shifting. You look, Seventeen Magazine did a, a survey in 1990, I believe it was. And at the time, 17% of the young people felt homosexuality was appropriate. Ten years later, and there were some major events and some, some uh, Ellen was on national TV kissing a woman for the first time. You know, 10 years later, 54% surveyed felt homosexuality was appropriate. This is what, I mean, media, good and bad, right? So, so we really need to be thinking about how we can get the right message, you know, for the kingdom out through these, through these influences. And the family is probably the most important one. I mean, you got church and you got family bookending all these other ones. And I really think that uh, it starts with the dad and the home, right? Uh, they, they, our family has to see God. They have to see a strong faith. We can't just come to church and, and do our church thing and then go off and then next week come back. I mean, they need to see us leading the families. They need to see us passionate. You need to be praying with your family. Tanner and I, my older son, are doing a worship, um, a, a Bible study together. I mean, it's a special time for him and I to spend, and he's going to remember that the rest of his life, and I will too. But really, the family... Uh, the divorce rate is higher. The definition of marriage is trying to be redefined. I mean, this is a big area where we need, we quite honestly need men to step up, to step into their biblical role inside families and not be shy about um, about leading, you know, from a godly perspective in their homes. And then the, the rest will take care of itself inside the family. So if we look at Matthew, you are, you are like salt to the whole human race. I mean, salt means... Good, making it better, making it seasoned. I mean, anywhere we can sprinkle good, we're going to have an influence. That's basically what that means. Look for ways that you can influence through doing good. And then five sixteen, let your light shine. I mean, that's what happens when you have an have an influence. Your light has to shine. You have to be contagious. They have to see something through us out in the world that they're attracted to. You know, and that's what's starting to happen at this church, whether it's the Christmas tree lot, whether it's going down to the orphanage in Tijuana, uh, a homeless small group. I mean, getting outside these four walls, this is a preparation place, not, the, not, not where we want to stay in, inside the four walls. So letting our light shine. There are three important questions we're going to cover if you're following along. It's kind of hard because I skip around if you're trying to fill out the notes. Uh, the first is Why? God wants us to. You all have a. We all have a purpose. We're all made for something beyond ourselves. That's kingdom related. We just have to find our purpose. I, you know, my life changed when I went through, uh, as I had to be a small group leader, I was picked to be a small group leader. I didn't want to do it. I'm telling the pastor me. So what it was, so there's going to be strangers coming to my house and I'm going to have to pray out loud and and uh, so I, I ended up doing it and it was amazing. The first small group was me and eight women. And that was a whole different stuff. So I'm trying to get to the video and they're not paying attention. And I'm like, hey, and it's like, uh, but that was my start going through that process and becoming a small group leader and really trying to figure out what my purpose was, was a big step for me uh, that kind of allowed me to go through. And too many times we're focused on success versus significance. And... Um, yeah, my dad passed away 15 years ago and I had to speak at his funeral and it was a tough thing for me because my dad suffered from manic depression and back when I was a kid they didn't understand the disease like they do today. They didn't have the medications that they have today. And growing up in that environment, it was tough, right? Cuz it was up and down and you know, it was a rocky childhood. And then having to go speak at the funeral, I was wrestling with how to do it the right way and then right before I went up, God hit me. He's like, "Talk about what he loved. Talk about what he loved." And, and fortunately, he loved God and Christ, and that kept our family together at times when we would have been torn apart. I remember him taking food to sick to, uh, to poor people on holidays and being with him, you know, in the truck going to do that. And, I mean, he loved his country. He loved sports. So I, it got me through that, that tough part. I, this is uncomfortable for me because I'm not a pastor, but having to speak at a loved one's funeral was tough emotionally if you've ever had to do it. But I was able to talk about what he loved, and then, you know, I, what are people going to say at your funeral? I mean, it's a challenging question. And I took, uh, seven kids out camping last weekend, in Anza Borrego, uh, all in one vehicle from the ages of 12 to 16. Oh my gosh. Praise God. We made it through the weekend. Um, most of them are from the church and those kids can eat and drink at that. I mean, you constantly have to replenish everything. It's like, where did all those donuts go? I mean, they're like gone. Like gotta go find some more food. And we had a lot of fun out there. I like to say, I mean, probably too much fun. Um, we have a saying, don't tell mom. Um, but, you know, uh, but it, you know, we, and we did have, I think I want on my tombstone, I want him to write, he had to grow old, but he never grew up. So so we're like kids out there, but we also had some serious time to talk about, you know, God and what's happening in their life. And we talked about what do you want people to say at your, your funeral? And Kevin Wells, he, he goes to, he's one of the youth, he looks at me and says, well, what do you want me to say about at your funeral? And I'm driving along, that's a good question. So I had to stop and think. And I said, okay, I want him to say he loved his God and he loved Jesus, and he wasn't shy about sharing his faith, and he was a faithful father, and he was a faithful dad, and he. You know, and, and I want people to come up in my funeral and talk about the the ways I helped him. You know, but you know, to do that, I can't wait until I get cancer. I can't wait until I'm in the emergency room and then try to figure it out. I've got to do that now. I got to plan ahead to make that happen. And it's a homework assignment, I think, for all of you. Spend some quiet time. Take out a piece of paper. And right, right now, if I died right now, what would they say about me? And what do I want them to say about me? And, and, and it's, I know you don't like to talk about death. Every one of us is going to die. And for Christians, it's not the end. I mean, we know where we're going. So, I mean, it's, it's challenging when you have to do that. Um, and then Hebrews thirteen 16, don't forget to do good things for others. Um, Ephesians talks about good works. Again, there's a theme here. It doesn't say go talk about these things. It says do good. And if you do good, then you'll have the influence that comes from doing good. The second major question is where? And the answer is everywhere. Everywhere you are, there's an ability for you to impact and influence others. Every day, everywhere you are. Um, look at how God uses Moses. The more I read about Moses and study his life, it's very interesting. His first 40 years was so much different. Uh, you know, when he was in Egypt and he was part of the whole hierarchy there, and then he was exiled for the next 40 years Basically, a shepherd out in the middle of nowhere. Exile for 40 years. He's out there. And then God speaks to him. We know the story through the burning bush. Moses, Moses. I mean, he wanted basically telling Moses he was going to be the one to lead his people out of exile and save his people. And Moses is like me. He's thinking, I'm not good enough. Why has he chosen me? Why? why, Can God really work through me? I mean, he was a stutterer. He lacked self-confidence. But God was speaking to him in the middle of the wilderness as a shepherd. And he told him. What did he tell him to do with this? If, if you look at the, uh, the verse in Exodus, he had a shepherd's staff. And he told him to throw it on the ground. And then what happened when he threw it on the ground? Turned into a snake. So I'm sure Moses, you know, was stepping back. And then then what did he tell him to do? Pick it up. How did he tell him to pick it up? By the tail. How many of you have ever picked up snakes before? I grew up in North Carolina. We caught as many as we could because we could scare people with them. The minute you got a snake, you could chase it around and girls would run away and all kinds of fun stuff happened when you got a hold of a snake. But I never picked up one by the tail because what will happen if you pick it up by the tail? It will bite you. You got to grab it behind the neck and quickly and hold it up. And I mean, so it was a test of faith, but God used Moses when he didn't think he was good enough in his place of work as a shepherd. And you know the rest of the story. It's amazing how God uh, really used used him. And there's a concept of convergence, too. Um, you think about where your skills and how you've matured and what you're passionate about and then where God puts you in your occupation or where you are in the community. And when all that comes together and God can use you for a purpose, it's really cool. And me, I really didn't want to come to this church. I had a church. I was called here. And part of the reason doing a difficult period was to help unify the church and then before Aaron came and when he came to, to, to help kind of lead a culture of support for the senior pastor. I look across a lot of churches in America today, and one of the biggest reasons they don't grow is that the congregations and the members don't support the senior pastor. There's all these different divisions and conflicts in churches, and they're always going through pastors right and left, and there's all these issues. I mean, part of what my role was brought here to say, that, no, love and support your senior pastor. He's not perfect. Grace applies to pastors just like people and seeing Aaron grow and mature through here, I mean, it's kind of humbling for me to know that that was my purpose. That's what I'm called here to do. And, and God has a purpose for each of you, and you can use your gifts and skills. Um, and then La Costa Youth Organization, it's it's one of the largest sports leagues in America. We have over a 1,000 um, girls and boys that play softball. And um, it's got... Um, 30 people on the board of directors. There's 400 coaches. There's all these volunteers. There's a, We have a budget of over $250,000. And three years ago, they were looking for a new president. I've coached for years, and, and they wanted me to lead the organization. Um, and I had to pray about it because I was chairman of the elders here. And I went to Aaron, and I said, look, this is what they want me to do, and, and they really need help, and I could do it. But I'm, I feel like it's going to take away from what I need to be doing to help you in the church. And he took a whole different approach. He said think about the influence you could have on the community. I mean, if you do that job the right way, if they see Christ through you and the leadership skills that you do at, that, at, uh, at LCYO, I mean, your influence will grow. And I mean, it's, it's all related, right? So I started, instead of seeing a separate thing, I started seeing the relation. so I did it. I mean, it's amazing. Michael coached in the league. We got people that played in it. Uh, we've gone from where, you know, they didn't want you to pray after games. All my teams pray after games. Uh, we couldn't have a church as a sponsor. Now Coastline is a sponsor, other churches as a sponsor. I just sent out an email last night to 2,000 families in the area promoting Operation Christmas Child and Carlsbad Christmas Bureau and, and asking our league to mobilize and get involved in that. So uh, will I get some emails back? I already have. You know, um, some of them are really encouraging. saying, hey, we love it that LCYO is doing this type of stuff. Other people aren't comfortable They're using Christmas You know, what's this about Christmas? Christmas, believe it or not, people don't want you to use Christmas anymore. And I was actually part of that. Ten years ago, I like to paint. I paint murals and stuff on walls and stuff. And I painted a holiday card that went out in front of our house. You can see my growth as a Christian. Ten or twelve years ago, the holiday card was Charlie Brown and said, Happy Holidays. I didn't want to offend anybody, right? Four or five years ago, I started looking at that card thinking, you know what? Do they even know a Christian lives here? So I painted another big one. It's a, it's a manger scene with a dark night and a light shining through into the manger. In white letters, that says, for unto you a Savior is born. Right? I didn't want anybody walking by my house thinking, is that guy a Christian? And, and it probably offends some people, but 80% of the people are Christians in America. You know, uh, we have a president that said uh, in, nine, in 2009 in Turkey that... that The United States is no longer a Christian nation. As we talked about, I know he meant that we're a nation of tolerance of other religions, but you do any survey, 80 to 83% of people are Christians. Another 10 to 15% are non-religion. And another 4 to 5% are, you know, Hindu, Buddhist, Jewish, or whatever. So no matter what anybody says, we are a Christian nation. We shouldn't apologize for it, and we have to show the love of Christ. But we are a Christian nation, and we need to, to not apologize for that. And the third way is how, you know, what's the, how do we do this? We have to be intentional. Nothing. I mean, I, I hear a lot of people saying, I'm just going to, I'm just going to live a good life. And then people will kind of naturally be attracted to me. And then they might go to church. You now you've got to really be intentional about this. You've got to plan ahead. You've got to, you've got to think it through. You've got to form relationships, join organizations. And when you're intentional, things happen. You know, Eleanor, you know, my wife, anybody that knows her, um, knows how beautiful she is and how lucky i am to be married to her for 27 years but i was at san diego state i was a senior and i wasn't looking to get married i was gonna be a bachelor like 10 years right i mean that was and then i saw her across the room over you know back about where uh, john is back there in a geography class and was just smitten with her i mean she was the most beautiful girl i'd ever seen and i just stared at her. and it was actually kind of creepy i actually watched her leave the class and you know i'm like the creeper watching the girl and then you know, the next class period, I'd move right behind her desk, and I'd do stuff like kick her desk so I could look at her eyes. And uh, totally creepy, right? Three class periods later, I wrote her a note. It's a true story. You can ask her and ask her to marry me. And I would have. I was, I wanted to marry her right then. It took me a while to influence her to come up with their, that decision. But, you know, we've been married 27 years. I'm so blessed, uh, you know, to have a family uh, like that. But it all started from being intentional. So if you, you've got to figure out what organizations you can influence how you can influence them and take the steps take the steps ahead of time so that you can go out into the world and have a have a kingdom impact this is my fourth service I'm uh, starting to lose you start to appreciate what uh, what Aaron goes through for four services uh, I know Amanda will be glad to see him back but I will too God doesn't want you to be lukewarm. Who knows? There's a passage in Revelation. God wants. He said, "I wish you were either hot or cold, because if you're lukewarm, what happens? He wants to spit you out of his mouth. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be in that category. I mean, when you think about it, so we need people that are hot, that aren't that, or that aren't bold, that aren't meek, right? Share. Don't be afraid to share your faith and step up because. You know, God wants to use you. We just don't want. I mean, there's so many lukewarm Christians in in America today, and that's what's holding us back. So hopefully anything I can do today to to make you want to be ignited or activated so you can take that next step. And I think uh, there's there's two things, I think, that hold us back when, when we want to have an influence on people for the gospel. And the first is God telling us, or not God, but Satan telling us that we aren't smart enough. Everybody wants to do more Bible studies and they want to commit. you got to be able to answer any questions somebody might ask to have an influence in it. And, and people kind of get in that education level and they want to go do another small group study. And then they'll be ready. You can be ready today. You can leave from here ready to go make an impact. You know, I often say I'd like to take John three sixteen, and I'd like to expand that and then say for new believers, this is your Bible. Once you can understand this one page, you're ready. And then the regular Bible is for extra credit. I mean, it's probably not the right way to do it, but that's the way I think. It's that simple. Because I think if you take John 3.16 and you expand it for God, who the only God, the God that created everything, the God that knew you before you were born, the God, as Aaron says, that wants, that wants to love you like a dad, right, that much love. He sent his only son here. He sent Jesus on this earth after we all got perfect. no. While we were still sinners. While we were still sinners, he sent him here to save us. He died on that cross to pay the price for our sins so that we can have salvation. And now we need to go tell other people and influence other people. I mean, how complicated is that? I think it took me 30 seconds, right? that's, that's all you need to know to get started and, and believe that doesn't mean understand every single thing. I mean, Billy Graham even says, I don't even have a clue how some of this stuff works. I just believe it in my heart and look how, look at the influence he had. I mean, so if you believe that and you're willing to go talk to people and in influence them, no telling what can happen. This, the other thing is Satan convinces us. We're not good enough, right? We've sinned. There's something so dark inside of all of us that, that God can't use us. Right. So we stay in that self trying to figure out ourself and get over our self stage. And uh, Saturday night, uh, last night, Eleanor said it was a little bit over the top. But I asked people to raise their hand if they'd ever killed a Christian. And she's like, I did not even know where you were going with that. And uh, fortunately, nobody raised their hand because I wasn't sure what I was going to do. If they did have to call the police or something. But but uh, the point was God picked Saul The more I studied of Saul and who he was and how he hated Christians, he was a Pharisee. He was trained by some of the most strict Jewish leaders at the time. He was president at Stephen He condoned the murdering of Christians, basically. He was on the road to Damascus to go do what? To find other Christians. And not just in Jerusalem. He was known in that whole area for his hatred of Christians, his persecutions. And God must have been laughing that day when he figured, I'm picking that guy. I'm picking that guy right there. And I'm going to send Jesus to him and ask him, why are you persecuting me? And in three days, I'm going to blind him and transform him. And when he goes back to Jerusalem, they aren't going to know how to deal with him because he's going to be saying, guys, we we got it all wrong. We killed the wrong guy. He really is the Messiah. But my point is, if God can use Saul, no matter what you've done, he can use you. You just got to get over whatever it is that may be holding you back and knowing uh, it doesn't have to hold you hostage anymore. So you are smart enough and you are good enough. I think there's there's um, there's basically three groups of people here today. I mean, there's some that are saved and already mobilized, and, and guess what? We can do more. You know, I, I'm praying that God will find a next step for you. That if whatever I say can help you think. What am I going to do next? That that's a purpose that that I hope you find through this message. There's another group. Um, I'll call them dormant. You know, you're you like I was 15 years ago, maybe, sitting back. Um, and dormant is a good concept because it means something inside is ready to come out and grow, right? There's something inside that God wants to use you for, and we just got to get it out, right? You've got to go from that dormant stage to where now you're activated. Uh, so you're saved, but now you've got to go make an influence on the world. And the third, and I guess before I get into the third, too, when the Holy Spirit moves in you, you'll know it. The Holy Spirit moved in me on an airplane one time when I was reading a book to talk to an older lady. And it was a book on, on heaven. And she was suffering. She's old. She's not sure she's going to live that much longer. She was a casual Christian that didn't know where she was going to go. She wasn't sure about heaven. I talked to her. Then the Holy Spirit told me to pray with her. Her name is Kay Leonard. She ended up starting a small group in Albany, New York. We, we communicate. She, she says it was a God thing. She's got a small group going now for elderly people in that area of New York to come so she can tell them that there is a heaven. Uh, God will use you. The Holy Spirit will, will nudge you at the right time. My family's not perfect. I'm going through some things that I've been praying about for, uh, for a while. And early one morning in the quiet of the morning, right, it's, I was praying, God, help me figure out what I need to do. What should I do next? How can I get through this? And he stopped me and said, let me handle this. And it was confusing because let me handle it. It's like, I'm thinking me, me, like me, Ed. No, let me handle this. And it was so comforting to think the God of the universe knew my problem, was listening to my problem and said, I will handle it for you. So you may be nudged. Today, if you feel that nudge, don't wait. Because this third category, they're either people that think you're too far away from God and you can never come back home. Or you've never accepted Jesus for the first time. And, and this is the category that, that really every sermon that we do here in this church, we want to provide that opportunity for you to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And it's really simple. So um, bow your heads. With, with, with every eye closed and every head bowed, if you're in that category where you, you need to accept Jesus as your Savior and need to come back home, I'm gonna say a simple prayer with you. Raise your hand if you're in that category. And I just want to say a simple prayer. The first part of that prayer is really just, God, thank you for sending Jesus. I accept him as my personal Savior. I accept Jesus into my life. I accept that he can be number one in my life and he can transform me from my heart. The second part is God, forgive me. We're all sinners. We've all fallen short. God, just forgive me and just wipe my sins clean. And the third part of the prayer is just tell God thank you in your own words. Just say thank you. Accept his grace. You don't have to earn it. We'll never be good enough to earn it. But just say thank you. Thank you for sending Jesus here to save me. Amen. You can look up now. So if you prayed that prayer for the first time, we have a. a you can fill out our, our card. There's a place for rededication or for accepting Jesus the first time. We'll send you more information. Uh, there's a book called Now What, which answers the now what question. So we'd love to, uh, to have you take that. And we also give away Bibles. Um, if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give it to you. Um, I'm going to tear out John 3:16 and give that to you. And then you can come back later for the rest of the Bible. Um, no, I'm just kidding. You can take the whole Bible. But um, we're just so encouraged to have you here. Please stand as we close. Dear God, I just thank you for the people here today. I thank you for the opportunity to speak in them, and I just I just pray that uh, something that uh, the Holy Spirit has spoken through me will will lead everyone in this room to think about a next step. You know, whether that's being saved the first time or whether that's joining an organization so that they can influence that community or that organization for Christ. And I just pray for your Holy Spirit and your presence in this place, so as we go out, that that we're not we're not just people that come to church. We're people that are going to be the church, that this church becomes an equipping center, a place where we come to be ready to go out on a mission, God. I just That's my prayer today, that we just mobilize this church, that you mobilize your people, and that it's just going to be amazing to see some of the next steps these people take. I look forward to hearing that. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. All right, have a good afternoon. Go Chargers, All right? <laughs>